beat drops in, you know it is time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. We certainly hope you're doing well, staying in, social distancing. We want to help. We want to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Handy and Brooklyn in. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's staying in, staying in, we're staying in, we're both staying in, we're not leaving, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian, how you doing? One day at a time, snap, doing snap, it. snap, 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 yeah, hey, Jeff, hey, everybody, uh, wash your hands, social distance, even if you're area isn't on like lockdown yet you know what i mean like uh like work if you got to let me put it this way and this isn't going to be a downer episode i don't think um my wife is a doctor she can't stay at home everyone else if you can please stay at home yeah for her and for everybody else Please I read something today that said if if we could just wave a magic wand and have everybody freeze in place for 14 days, we'd be done. It'd be over. It'd be done. We just need to all freeze in place. And that place is your house. So a good thing to do while you're freezing in place at your house is play some video games. We're going to talk about that. We got lots to talk about. There's some really good games right now. And... We also have one of my favorite guests to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for drawing locomotion into characters. Because we have senior animator at Riot Games, our friend Lana Bushinsky is back with us. Hey, Lana, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing so well, given the circumstances, feeling positive and uh, just very happy to be here with you guys tonight. That's great. We're happy to have you. Are, are you, has uh, Riot gone full work from home? Is that, what's your situation now? Yeah, uh, it, an incredible effort from facilities and IT and absolutely everybody should be thanking doctors, nurses, everybody, but also IT professionals and folks who are helping people get set up so they can work safely, um, which has been an incredible undertaking. My team was one of the first teams to get set up in a work from home situation because a lot of us already had some work from home setups ready to go. And then I think it was less than two weeks or less than a week and Riot had 100% of the campus, uh, all the campuses, I think, working remotely. That's great. You know, um, I wasn't going to ask you about this, but it occurs to me, Christian and I have been speculating in the last couple of weeks about the kind of disruption that moving to work from home might, you know, provide for a, uh, a developer, a developer, you know, working on games actively, trying to get games out maybe before the end of this year. Do you have some insight into how much more difficult that is? Is there likely to be game delays that we will see because of this particular thing? Well, that's the kind of thing that I I definitely can't speak for any of the other 
studios. And and, sure. and honestly, I, I'm not really in a position to even speak for Riot in that regard, um, because delays can happen not just from, you know, troubles that might happen in development, but like, like Matt, like the, just the scope of, of what it would take globally because of this crazy pandemic that's going on yeah. for the manpower. Like, we don't know what's going on with other people's situations or like how, just how, how, like how deep this thing is really going and affecting the people who, who want to play the game. But uh, what I can say is that working from home so far has been remarkably smooth and by Remarkably smooth. I mean, I feel actually more productive when I work from home uh, because there's fewer people sort of coming up to my desk for chats or or yeah, help yeah. that I can't just like in times where I could have just typed it to somebody, but maybe we converse a little bit longer. Things have been, uh, yeah, really, really still very productive. Still, sort of all systems go for 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 me. That wonderful thing about uh, this meeting could have been an email. You know, like now mm-hmm. it's an email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is an email. So uh, here's hoping your experience is the experience of a, a lot of developers, and you know we get we keep getting uh, good reasons to stay in and stay home uh, in the form of video games. And let's talk about some of them and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Encourage you to check out that community and post whatever you like on our subreddit. Uh, Talk about the show, talk about video games, uh, just make friends. It's a good time to be social online. But Lana, you are our guest. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? My story of the week, um, I know there was like a lot of sort of more deep divey, probably actually bigger stories, but it was sort of hit me personally as a big story because I think it is so wild and also like a beautiful kind of underdog story um, in that Untitled Goose Game beat out. Sekiro, Death Stranding, and Control for Game of the Year at the Game Developers Choice Awards this past year. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, we didn't really get a GDC, but they still awarded the the awards that would be given out at GDC. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I I worry, I think this is great that you bring it up, because I worry that this was not getting the attention that it deserved amidst all the craziness and the fact that we didn't actually have a GDC. Untitled yeah. Goose Game, what do you think? Are you a big fan of that game? Uh, I played it. I I loved it. But I am sort of as a a developer side, every game is tough to make, certainly. But uh, I will say, like, just thinking of like the the massive scope of work and the teams involved, it's still like, I'm so delighted for them. I'm so happy that this is something that has happened, that the sort of social resonance that Untitled Goose Game has had with the video game community has been so massive for both players and developers alike that it could sort of reach this game of the year status against all these massive AAA games. Like, that is blowing my mind. But I also am kind of like, but Death Stranding and Control, like, those are... (laughs) Like crazy big games, crazy like mechanics and art and technology behind them. Whereas like if you're going to direct compare them, Untitled Goose Game is sort of like, oh, that's a, what a cute little, little thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that's an interesting framing of the discussion. I mean, 
you make excellent points. It's wonderful in one sense to my mind that it's not another award to the same small grouping of, of titles. You know, you get, Mm -hmm. we've already seen Sekiro get, uh, you know, the game awards game of year and, uh, control one. I I, I mean, these games have been winning awards. It's interesting to me that the game developers choice award is zagging instead of zigging. And maybe that's, you know, shining a spotlight on something that doesn't already have tons of spotlights on it. Uh, but by the same token, as you said, about level of complexity, level of artistry, level of undertaking, it's hard to think that this is in the same caliber. It seems fascinating to me specifically that it's won the Game Developers Choice Awards because you think that game developers would be like, let us consider all of the facets of game development and just the sheer, <laughs> the sheer, the sheer amount of game development that would have happened on the other titles. Yeah. Because obviously, all like art still needs to happen. There's still pipelines there. There's engineering. There's all the same things, but such a smaller scope that it's like I, I, I've been. I watch the Game Developers Choice Awards every year because I go to GDC and I enjoy that little sort of celebration of my peers every year. And seeing more and more of these sort of uh, IGF or the, the indie games pop in to like the AAA side of things or something that is typically has always seemed like that quote unquote AAA side of things with the, the Game Developers Choice Awards, man, the, the indie games are taking over and seeing this one beat out these other titles. I just, I think it might be something that even strikes developers with like, what are the size games that we really want to make? Obviously these things are, they are still winning awards and things. But what could we make with a smaller team? What could we make with a smaller scope that could still be so socially resonant and so impactful? Um, it's just interesting to me. I agree. I think it's fascinating. Um, Christian, what do you make of this? It's um, uh, certainly hard to compare any two pieces of art, right? Uh, and I have a friend uh, who likes to say, if you talk about the Academy Awards, you, know, you can re- replace the word best with most and usually pick out which one's going to win, you know, like instead of best actor, it's most actor, you know, (laughs) most editing, most, whatever it it seems like they did the most of it is usually what wins the award. Um, And uh, that's not the case here, right? It's not the, it's not a a game that, you know, like a control or a death stranding or a Sekiro that is really doing everything. It's a game that does one thing very specifically, but does it in such a novel way that perhaps it made a much a bigger impression on the voters. Oh, I wanted to yell honk so many times in the middle of that. <laughs> you were talking. I just really wanted to yell honk, like, you know, like uh, uh, Spice Man level loud. I really, yeah. really wanted to. Um, I respect your holding back. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think it's great that Untitled Goose Game won. I, I mean, I don't, I'll be honest that I, I do not know the criteria for voting. I don't know who's eligible to vote. I don't know if they're given a list of things to consider or if it's just like, hey, you select people here, like vote for anything. Or if it's like, think about these factors when you're considering. But regardless, um, I mean, it was a, a phenomenal game, a game that swept, you know, like became internet memes. It became bigger than a video game. It was talked about on like late night TV. It was a game that, comics like i know here in la that are like they know about video games but don't play video games like it was mentioned in you know sets randomly and it would get laughs like it didn't become pokemon go level of ubiquitous kind of thing but it it kind of took over the world for a while 
And I think as Anna mentioned too, it, it, it did what it did so well. And I think it's easy to dismiss it maybe as like this small quirky game or whatever, but it was also something that hadn't been done before like that. I mean, I think it was just all of the pieces coming together for making this perfect game at the perfect time that really connected with people on so many levels where it could just be, you know, funny for streaming and being a jerk goose, or you could really try to hundred percent it. And it's like, Metal Gear Solid 2 stealth missions, you know, like it's like VR missions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm a fan. And of course, I would have Death Stranding couldn't win because it's just life now. Um, <laughs> so that, that can't that can't win. Uh, that's cruel. Yeah, that's, uh, they're just using it as the Amazon trading video game now. Oh, my God. It's gosh. like, welcome to your it's yeah, brutal. Yeah. And all Dude, these how people. Many, how many- how many boxes of toilet paper can you fit on your back and walk through the uh, wasteland? But a sincere also thank you to all of those uh, women and men that are out there doing that because it is very important work. And I, I realize how dangerous it is. Um, I realize it because I've done it with yeah. in the video game. Yeah. And also just. Oh, quick- well, I meant for real, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, a, and a sincere thank you to the first person to make that mod for Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah it is on pc now yeah so anything's yeah, possible that's um, happening for sure well yeah i think it's i think it's a, a a worthy uh a game to me it is nowhere near like and the best picture goes to green book you know what i mean <laughs> like, like untitled goose game makes a lot of sense to me i think it, it's uh and it's on game pass so everyone should check it out yeah and i'm super glad the game developers choice awards still were given out and still celebrated and and I'm I'm glad we brought it up and we're talking about it because uh it's sad to not be a GDC not have a GDC. Hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Along with lots of other things this summer that are going to be sad not to have. But mm-hmm. GDC booked it uh, they have Moscone for the summer they're being optimistic. Yeah. You know, knock on wood, fingers crossed. There, it's like a 3-day or planned for August. I don't know the day, but Yeah, but then they also still requested that all the speakers who had registered, they're not like everybody like who's going to speak, just let us know if you want to talk during this 3-day. They've already requested that people turn in videos of them recording. So I wonder how much of that is going to be actual people sharing information or if it's just going to be an expo or I I don't yeah. really know what to expect from that. Streaming version or something, yeah. Yeah, who knows. Well, yeah. we remain hopeful. But Christian, what is your story of the week? Oh, can we all, you know, Hulk Hogan rip our shirts open and yell, Console Wars! Because that's my story. We're in it, man. It's on. It's happening. It's, it's so on. So personal anecdote. Little little personal anecdote here. Um, I think it was maybe last night, yesterday evening. I, I just put out a, a Twitter poll. Uh, usually don't get much traction for me. And this was just, if you could pick, if you could only pick one, you have to pick one, assuming they come out the same day at or near the same price, what do you pick? Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5? Bonus points for why? 24-hour poll received over 30,000 votes and almost 1,200 replies. Uh, When the poll closed, it was 57% Xbox Series X, 43% PlayStation 5, and if I were to suss out the general feelings, it was Game Pass and or favorite specific franchise or Sony exclusives. And those seemed to be like the the jockeying points. And there was like interesting. There was, of course, some fanboy 
you know, yelling in there. But there's some interesting discussion, too, about Microsoft and all the studios they purchased and those track records. But like now, what this the news is, is with um, Mark Cerny giving the deep dive on the PS5 that originally was supposed to take place at GDC, I believe. Like we're in full digital foundry digging in, you know, developers coming to bat on Twitter with what they're excited about the SSD on the PlayStation five or the more flops for the Xbox series X. And like, but, but just to be clear, your story of the week is your tweet. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff. My, st- my story of the week is how popular I was last night. Is, you guys, <laughs> usually an not amazing tweet, an amazing tweet. And so many people saw it. My story of the week, good friend, is is your sassy ass comment right now, brah. <laughs> Come at me. No, you're Come right. Me, uh, I I tuned in. I, I tuned in to that Cerny talk mostly just to hear his dulcet tones. Man, I, that guy, that guy could talk to me about any. He could read the phone book, and I would listen because he just sounds so soothing. I don't know if it's some ASMR stuff going on there. I don't know, but it is. It is. He has a very reassuring, lovely voice. I tuned into that. I'm excited. I've been reading all this stuff. I'm I'm ready for new consoles. Who knows if we're getting them this year for real? But man, I'm I'm ready to get excited. That's for sure. Okay, so I gotta know though. Like when you're like all these announcements announcements are cropping up. You're reading up on the specs. You're scoping out the charts. Are you like point for point looking at these specs and being like? this one and like like how weighty do the specs matter to you are you really making the, that initial decision based upon the specs alone or are you like do the games look fun and will they play well i mean let's be honest i'm getting both i'm not only buying one so yeah. it, for me this is all just but hypothetically murdery. yeah hypothetically I did look at the the specs in detail. Uh, there's a few websites that are doing side-by-side because Xbox Series X, as you said, Christian, Digital Foundry came out with a very in-depth article. Mark Cerny went, had a very in-depth uh, rundown. We have on paper exactly what these things are going to be pushing in terms of teraflops, in terms of cores and and uh, gigahertz. Hard drive solutions, SSD. Everything. Yeah, yeah. I, Memory. What It's all... The okay. the truth is, I from my perspective, very they're very close, and it it looks like Xbox Series X has a slight edge in terms of raw power. But Cerny was making a very strong case for the fact that these things, the the numbers aren't super important. It's not <laughs> it's not how big your processor is; it's how you use it. He was saying, um, and and, awesome. I, and I. And I think that we have gotten to the point, especially this last generation and the generation before to a certain extent, maybe not so much the generation before, but this generation, third-party games especially, are almost indistinguishable console to console. Mm -hmm. So I think I side with all of Christian's responders, which is it's about the exclusives, right? And it's about – are the you services, which I would lump in with exclusives, because like right. unless because Sony hasn't announced or they haven't unveiled PlayStation now, you know, competing at the same level as Game Pass. And so it's all of that stuff. Yeah, if they do, I think that'll be very compelling because right now you're looking at, hey, is uh, a potential Spider-Man 2, Horizon 2, God of War 2, these kind of big, you know, marquee franchises with their first parties, are they for $60 a piece more compelling than, you know, $20 a month or $10 a month or whatever, I guess it's 10 
uh, for every game that Microsoft Studios puts out. That's a pretty interesting comparison too. I think the services is definitely like a, like that feels like a pressing and relevant. Like if you're going to decide between the two, which one you actually think is going to like s- provide for you as a client, as a um, uh, a purchaser, I can't think of the actual word. No, client <laughs> client was the right word. Go ahead, okay. yeah, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> uh, a customer as a consumer, that's the one. There we got go. there uh, as a consumer services. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. But the second the conversation is is. I don't want to say devolves into comparing teraflops, but like the word, even just the word teraflop feels like the, like the word that somebody's grandfather uses when they don't know what technology he's like. Well, mine yeah. got more teraflops. <laughs> yeah, I so like, I, I don't I care hear how all many that. teraflops you've got. No phones at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> I hear all that. And I, while I do not disagree and I forget what, how, in what respect we talked about this before, uh, Jeff, you and I, but I feel like oftentimes uh, console manufacturers will try to have their cake and eat it too, kind of in this regard. Well, they will come out and they will tout all their specs and then they will say like, but it's not the specs that ma-. it's like, no, 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 no. You, you can't advert like, and we're going to have this and it's going to be this and it's going to be this, but all of that is garbage. What matters is this. It's like, well, stop. Then don't, don't tell me. And I get it, Lana. I get it. We are grasping at straws right now. One, because we're all inside. And two, I mean, it's fun, right? It's just speculative at this point. It's just it's just fun. It's for ha-ha's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just trying to look at it and trying to anticipate and be excited for things and think about what we can, you know, what we're going to see. So because my story is my Twitter account, which is full of me saying this show is live, um, if I had to ask the same question to both of you, so there are two big assumptions in this perfect tweet that I put out yesterday. Oh, oh gross. <laughs> um, in, the, in this tweet, there are two big assumptions in it. One is that they're the same price. And the other is that they come out the same day. Right. But with that, with that, those assumptions made, and you both being exactly who you are in the situation you're in right now, whether tons of money, not a lot of money, tons of time, not, whatever it is, whatever your situation is right now, same question to you. You can only pick one, Lana, and you have to pick one. What do you pick? Well, first of all, I I didn't hear an answer. Go ahead. I I can't believe I am going to do this. And anybody who listens to this who knows me is going to laugh their ass off. It's pronounced Lana. (laughs) Oh, is it? I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's fine. Please do that. Please do that. I truly don't care, but I have to. No, no, no. Please do. People call me Chris sometimes, and it drives me up the wall. Okay. I would like to point out that I got it right, I think. Right? You did. did you did. Think. Or you would have heard it immediately. <laughs> oh, gosh. Laura, anyway. I'm sorry. I will not. <laughs> oh, that's my mother's name. Please, sir. <laughs> and I don't care how many flops you have. My name's <laughs> Laura. <laughs> but if I had to choose. Um, well, I no, had, you I, don't. Uh, Lana oh. has to choose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, mm. If. I, Lana Bashinsky, had to decide on one of the consoles, it would be the PlayStation 5. Um, if only for the DualShock, baby. I can't stand the Xbox wow. controller. Not for it. Mm, I don't really? care about Get the games out of here. I, well, not really. I, I love the games. I think the exclusives will be great. I like the DualShock. But I also feel like almost everything that would come out on the Xbox is probably going to be playable on my PC eventually. Yeah, and so point. I've got a computer. I want the console. Figured out the loophole. 
sick loophole. You don't need an Xbox when you've got a PC. You can get that PC Game Pass and you got loopholed your way right through your twit tweeter tweet. Is that your answer, Jerf? No. Uh <laughs> I uh, I would have a very hard time with that, but I I actually want to dig in more. No, uh, no, you got to answer. Well, okay. Um, I think I think probably not knowing what what I mean. It's hard for me to not not be able to play like a Spider Man two, which we know is going to happen. Um. And, you know, I definitely want to play that next Halo, but, and I love the Game Pass. I love Game Pass. I love Game Pass. But right now, I think for me, those first party PlayStation games put it over the top. So I'm going there. Yeah. And I think for all of us, the PC answer is the right answer also. Assuming you have, because the games, Microsoft's games are going to be there. Microsoft doesn't care how they're getting your subscription money. Uh, I'll have Game Pass Ultimate, and if I had to decide right now, it'd be a PlayStation Five because I have a killer PC. We're all on the same page, which is so not good for the for our inbox. But, um, <laughs> I was actually um, shocked that the the overwhelming, not overwhelming, but that there was a majority of people saying Xbox at this point, based upon your tweet. Yeah, well, Lena, perfect you, tweet. I want to I want to dig in a little bit on your your DualShock comment because the. I'm curious why you feel so strongly about that because I, I, I don't perceive that much. Is it comfort or the button placement? What is it exactly? Well, now we're going to, well, yeah, I think it's comfort and button placement, but I also, you know, sad, sad life. I couldn't have video games as a child. Um, well, I could, I could have, um, but my parents thought that they would eat our brains or like, like we wouldn't do anything other than play video games, which is true. I definitely wouldn't have done anything other than play video games. But the only pals I had who had them, uh, they always had PlayStation, and so that was the one that I knew. And then the first Your time I was like, evolved to hold the, the dual shot. Absolutely, but then also when Xbox first came out, that controller was like ten times the size of the right. PlayStation controller, and I just like. Physically holding it was like holding a Kleenex box in my hands. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so I just never. You're talking about the Duke, right? Oh, You're talking about I... the old Duke controller, right? Yeah, however long ago that was. But I, I, I never owned consoles. Now. I know, but I owned. A, I never owned a console. I owned, I bought my first console like three years ago or something. Like I just, I never was in a position where that. I never had a TV. Like I couldn't. I didn't. Ironically, being in the industry now for like eight years, I didn't really have access to consoles and I played mostly PC games and that's, that's about it. That was like my whole existence. And so the PlayStation is just so comfortable and I can play with the Xbox one just fine. I'm being a brat about it, but I really do love the DualShock way more than any other. The Switch controller, the Switch Pro controller is also pretty good, but. Well, that's interesting. That's, I I find that fascinating. Um, I am moved by the number of other little tidbits of things. I mean, we talk about stats and, uh, and you know, numbers, hard math, teraflops and such. And it, it is a bit abstract and a bit unrevealing to what these things will actually do. But we did get some other information in all of these breakdowns and deep dives uh, in some head-to-head things like this backwards compatibility notion where both companies seem to be very uh bullish on backwards compatibility 
But with the Xbox, it really is going to be backwards compatible on a hardware level. So it sounds like anything that you put in that was made for Xbox One will work on Xbox Series X no matter what. And more, more than that, many of these games will have HDR that actually weren't even made to have HDR. They'll enable HDR on a hardware level, or I guess it's uh, an algorithm uh, based on Gears 5's HDR tech. That's uh, It says it's capable of mapping different parts of the SDR image to HDR, which is pretty cool, that a game that you potentially wouldn't have in HDR will actually work now. They're talking about uh, Halo 5 Guardians and even Fusion Frenzy from 20 years ago, back when you were playing on the Duke. That um, was, uh, isn't that like Bill Gates' favorite game? It was, yeah, back in whatever that <laughs> year that was. Um, so that's kind of fascinating. Meanwhile, over at Sony, PlayStation says, uh, or at least Cerny said, that the top 100 PlayStation 4 games based on time played as ranked by playtime uh, should all work backwards compatible at launch. Well, most of them anyway. <laughs> so we don't know. And it'll be uh, case by case as they get added, sort of like how Xbox has done in previous generations. Well, there was uh, a so- weird flex too by Sony, I feel like, where it was like some of them, they don't work because the PS5 loads too fast, brah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> too powerful. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we would play your game, but like, oh, dog, our console's too, too, yeah. too late, brah. You know yeah, what I mean? It comes out all bent from these, from how fast it's being fun. <laughs> oh, you put that weak disc in here? Get out of here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we're doing way. handstand push-ups all day, every day. Butterfly pull-ups. Dog, let's go. I mean, I feel like uh, Microsoft did, you know, they did directly speak to that, but they totally missed an opportunity of putting out a little video where it's like, <laughs> oh, do you want, how, how do things work on the Xbox Series X? Oh, just put a disc, you know, d- totally aping what Sony did last gen. Um, <laughs> they could have done that. So if that's interesting to me, let me ask you this. How much does backwards compatibility matter to you? Lana, you are not somebody that has played a bunch of console games. You just said that in the past, but do you want to have the option to play older games on your new system? Yeah. I mean, I guess that'd be nice just for the convenience to like, I guess if I really wanted, I could take the PS4 and be like, you know, good night, sweet prince and put it away in its little box somewhere. But (laughs) so for the convenience of not having I guess if I owned it already and then I would be able to play it, that'd be great. If I had to buy it and then play it, I mean, that'd be good too, just for the convenience of not having to like swap inputs even, like the laziest level of of existence. Um, And especially because I'm typically, well, in recent years, I've been pretty on the up and up about what's going on and what games be playing. Um, But historically, I'm like, there's still certain franchises. Like I've never played Horizon Zero Dawn yet. Whoa. So good. Oh my so. gosh. It just came out on PC, so I'm ready to to finally jump in. But because I'm a little bit behind, yeah, I think that's it. That's definitely important to me for convenience. Yeah, and I think Christian, we've we've talked about this before that it's probably much more important in the early part of the console cycle when these things are coming out and there's not a lot of new games for them to have the entire back la- library available to a new console seems to bolster its library. Uh, in a very real way. I think less, maybe less important, you know, two, three, four years into a cycle. But are you glad that both companies are making this a centerpiece of their strategy this time? 
I am, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. I feel like Microsoft at this point has expressed better, or maybe I've misunderstood, but I feel like they've expressed better. Like to me, the bigger thing is as I am packing up, you know, my PlayStation 3 or old games and stuff like that, like more and more encouraged to go digital and to have that digital library work on my new thing without needing to repurchase them. Like that to me is very appealing. I want to know that I can turn on my new console and should I want to, go replay The Last of Us Remastered, which is a weird example because it's one I purchased twice, um, or Uncharted 4, Horizon Zero Dawn, or God of War 2018, that it's there, it's digital for me, that's how I purchased it. And I can just play it on my new device, or if I'm on my Series X, you know, I can play Gears 5, and it just it just carries over. There's not this, you know, waiting for it to come out again. And I like the way Microsoft had talked about the old games are going to see some tech boost in that kind of carrying over. Cause that wasn't a thing we saw from 360 to Xbox one and PlayStation three to PlayStation four, because of hardware problems there, I believe. But you know, those digital libraries, those Xbox live arcade games or PlayStation, not minis, but whatever they were first called downloadable games, you know, you lost a bunch of those to time into old consoles, so any way to kind of carry those over, that's what I care about more than maybe Gears 5 or Horizon Zero Dawn is like Untitled Goose Game. And, you know, those uh, Towerfall, Celeste, like a lot of indies, I would like to still have them because they're still great and they don't need to be pushing the hardware, um, you know, to its limits. So I don't need to, I shouldn't have to rebuy them. And it sounds like in both cases with both systems, if you play old games on them, you're going to have zero load times. You know, it's going to be the fastest elevator rides you've ever been on uh, in all these games. Uh, and hey, um, Marcus. Yep. Never mind. We're here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think that might make playing old games feel really fun and fresh is that you don't have to wait anymore. Uh, both, both of these breakdowns really emphasized how the uh, data pipelines and the fast hard drives are going to eliminate load times or, or reduce them to a, such a micro level that uh, Cerny was even saying some developers may want to add in uh, actual load times. It'll be so fast that they may want to add things in. Those load times, you see, they're not real. Those are added load times. Come on. We don't want to hurt any of our players. You know, it's so fast. We have to. Uh, so fast add- you're going to miss load times. It's like, that's the poster. <laughs> That's so bad miss load times. <laughs> PlayStation Five. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm very excited about the. They they seem like absolute beasts. Uh, both of them basically PCs, which you know speaks well to the idea that we'll get lots of third party games that are all coming out on PC, just like this generation. Um, so it's. Uh, I mean, these are exciting. The big question mark is is all this craziness in the world going to mean that they don't hit their fall release windows? And that remains to be seen, but, um, well, Hey, if Apple can release an iPad keyboard for $350, you know, (laughs) assuming assuming I still have gainful employment, uh, when these things come out, I will be getting both. Uh, That's a big assumption in this world now. And maybe, uh, maybe if it gets pushed, like the first round of, of new releases will just be the most bug free releases that anyone (laughs) has ever seen. Silver lining, silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let me uh, thank our first sponsor, which is Brooklinen. Oh, man. Hey, we're all home. We're all 
probably staying in bed a lot more than we normally do. I know I've tried to, my kids are not cooperating, but I love crawling into my Brooklyn and sheets at the end of the night. I tell you, uh, it's, it's such a huge upgrade from the old sheets I used to have in my youth, uh, that were scratchy. And I just didn't even realize how good it could be. And then I would go to a hotel and I'd be like, wow, these, this is amazing. It must be like that. This must be what it's, what it's like when you go to a hotel, can't have that at home. Well, you could, you always could at home, but you paid through the nose. Brooklyn and brings that kind of luxury, just that feeling of being pampered home easy. And they do it in a way that doesn't break the bank. Uh, you can get Brooklyn and sheets in a variety of colors and styles, which is awesome. Uh, they are the internet's favorite sheets. They're, uh, they're also a home to bedding, loungewear, towels, and more. They have 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. I genuinely love crawling into bed with my Brooklyn and sheets. It feels so good. It feels so good. And my wife loves uh, the variety of, we have several, and she loves the variety of, of looks that you can get. Uh, they don't have that luxury markup, but they are luxury products. They have shower curtains, bath mats, and robes, everything you need to feel awesome. I have their sheets, and I love them. And we're going to give you 10% off your first order. Brooklinen.com is the perfect place to start making small changes that make a big difference. And Brooklinen is so confident in their product that with all their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels, you get a lifetime warranty. Lifetime warranty. So go on, make yourself comfortable. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code DLC only at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC. All right, let me tell you about my story of the week, which, you know, we've been talking exclusives, those sweet exclusives, and we're talking about the promise of sequels. I want to talk about this rumor about Spider-Man 2 that hit. It is, it is purely a rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. But there is a Gaming Leaks and Rumors subreddit. I said subreddit, so it, lots of salt with your grains. Uh, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But it still got me all excited. Uh, Spider-Man, such a fantastic game. Insomniac's Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. Uh, they're saying Spider-Man 2 uh, coming to PS5 holiday 2021 is the rumor, or at least that's the target, and that it will be revealed uh, this summer. Who knows? Summer's going to be weird, so maybe. Um, supposedly, the game takes place in the winter. Supposedly, the big villain is Venom, which sounds rad. Uh, and there's all kinds of interesting details about the mechanics of the game, that uh, there will be multiple ways to web-sling in this version, uh, where you can uh, plot out your zip points and then do it more like a, a kind of a strategy game to quickly zip between them, swinging across the city. Um and uh, physics based, a physics-based option that you can do that's similar to the one they have now, and then sort of a hybrid between the two. Lana, are you excited? About- Did you play Spider-Man? Did you like Spider-Man? Did you play- I thought Spider-Man was a masterpiece. It was exquisite. The combat was amazing. The swinging through the city combined with the level of work they did to get the audio just right so that if you're perched, everything's chill. But the second you start swinging, the music does this big swell and you, you're doing the Epic Spider-Man stuff. So the Epic Spider-Man music kicks in like, whoo, I loved it. 
I love uh, how they recorded all the dialogue twice and one time where it sounded like he was out of breath because he's, or, you know, breathing heavy because he's swinging through the city. It's just so brilliant. It's mm-hmm. so brilliant. Like so many, so many details in that game that were just so, so, so well done. And I, I was super excited about it because I was really worried that it was going to play a little bit more like the Batman games where it was sort of like, you're automatically going to win as long as you keep hitting the punch button. You're just going to magnet to the other enemies. But they really felt like a nice little skill curve of getting better and using all your new cool moves and suit stuff. So I'm, I, you know, rumor is just a rumor, but they would be crazy to not be making Spider-Man 2 right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly uh, much more Miles Morales, uh, the ultimate version of Spider-Man, although he's now in the MCU or the, yeah, the original Six one six, Christian. I know you were a huge fan of this game as well. Um, what do you think? Put any stock in this rumor? I mean, vegetable stock. I don't eat meat, so you know, no beef stock or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it all sounds plausible. I think Insomniac built a, a heck of a city and a heck of an engine and put a lot of work into that game. And micro, Microsoft <laughs> and Sony has been showing it off a lot in regards to the PlayStation Five. Like, look how fast these load times are, brah. Um, and Sony bought Insomniac, right? Like, Spider Man was a huge game for them. It is a franchise that is important to Sony from movie to console to whatever else. Um, I think it very much makes sense. I have no inside information. I don't know if it's going to happen, but. If something does not happen with that city and that engine, um, I think something, you know, a mistake was made. (laughs) We are going to see something out of Insomniac again uh, that relates to Spider-Man in some real way. And it would not surprise me at all if it is Spider-Man 2 and on target for a 2021 release. What do you think about this this idea of switching up the ways that you can web-sling? I mean, I think we agreed on the show a lot that the web slinging felt so good and was really one of the keys that made it feel like Spider-Man. Is it, do you feel like it, it would be nice to have these options? I think so. I mean, as long as they have the, if, if the option to play it like this one is still in there, then it's no worse. Right. And then maybe yeah. there's an even better way to swing. So that'd be fun to experiment with that. To me, that is the defining moment of so many Spider-Man games is how it feels to swing around the city. So if they're given time to play with something else and maybe they think it's great, but they don't want to take away the thing that everybody fell in love with, with this version, but it's included in the game as another way to play it. That sounds awesome to me. I'm very excited. I'm very, yeah. very excited. Especially because that one of the versions that they talk about in this article, um, it sounds almost like it would replace fast travel in a way, which I would be totally for. Even though like, I, when I started playing that game, I'm like, what the heck? Why would you fast travel anywhere? Swinging is the best thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, of course, it's like, well, I want to play for like 20 minutes before work and I'm going to really min-max this time. I'm a fast travel. And then there's like, this adorable little cutscene of him on the bus or whatever, on the train. Yeah. So cute. But <laughs> this does seem like a way where like, if you're just selecting points and then he zips sort of automatically through them – that seems like a cool way to still get like the dope visuals of swinging through the city without right. necessarily having like the time that you need to take yourself. The thing that seems like just based upon this, this, this little rumor that I heard is that they might even show like insides of buildings, which opens up room for traversal. So you could like yeah. at some point in a battle, maybe you get thrown through a window and then you're like, Oh, excuse me, office workers. I'm going to crawl through here to get to the other side. Seems like a, uh, Seems like a very cool sort of added depth to this city that they've already built. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the promise of extra power from a PlayStation 5 feels like it would be really well used in 
making the city not larger, but denser, you know, a more, as you're, as you're saying, like being able to smash a window and go in a building, even if it wasn't part of a major story point, that's just what you decided to do right now. Or, you know, uh, the, the fact that this, these cities are more teeming with life. I think that would be so sweet. It really would make it feel so much more dynamic and lived in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's accurate as well. Here's hoping, and sounds like, according to this rumor, we may hear more uh, sooner rather than later, although who knows with this the way this summer is going to work out. Hey, uh, anyone that I'm, you know, friends with at Marvel that does games or at Insomniac, tweet about baseball if any of this is true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got them, Jeff. We got them. I don't think we do because there's no reason to tweet about baseball. Right? Trust That's me. not a cover for anything. Who anymore. I'm thinking of, they will tweet about baseball anyway. <laughs> Guitar, if you're listening, and I know you are. Um, all right. Uh, let us, uh, let's talk about the games that we have been playing now because there's a lot uh, in a segment we call The Playlist. Ooh, you playing this week tell us Bashinsky, you've been playing a lot of stuff. What have you been playing? Um, yeah, I have been playing a lot of stuff. Uh, this nice, uh, ironically, ever since social distancing was sort of the thing, I've been way more social than usual because of online hangouts and things still. So That's sort great. Of always playing Heroes, playing League, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne are sort of like constantly games I'm revisiting. Uh, but this week I tried out uh, Raft, which I think it was actually a couple months out now, um, but I'd never really heard about it, or I'd heard about it, but I'd, I'd never played about played about it. Gosh, is it when Kate Winslet pushes you off and watches you die? Good, kind of. It's when your your closest friends uh, let you get eaten by a shark in the digital oh, world. <laughs> uh, no, it's a. Uh, I thought I was going to hate it. De- desperately thought I was going to hate it. It is a survival game, which is so not typically my jam. Um, but I had some pals say, you know, let's just hang out. Let's stay connected, even though we're all far apart. And so we logged in, we chose raft and it was four of us. And you all start on a little raft, sort of a four by four, if you can picture a grid, but it is the 3d space raft. And you all have like a hook on a rope and there's just, you're just in the middle of the ocean with a bunch of trash around you. And you have to throw the hook out and rake this trash towards you. And eventually you start getting resources and eventually you run into islands and you start sort of building your raft slightly bigger and slightly bigger. And then you start building yourself tools like a spear to stab the shark that eats your raft. And um, over time we're like, Oh, now we've built a smelter. So now we can make glass so we can purify water. And I guess this is probably how all survival games sort of have these things where you have to keep feeding yourself and keep making sure that you're not physically dying from thirst or hunger. Um, But it ended up being a really fun time. Very, very chill, mostly like a a co-op, good to hang out and do something, but really you're all just hanging out kind of game. Yeah, I, I, I'm checking this out right now. I haven't played it at all myself, but yeah, the the idea of a survival game, it's funny. I had some friends, uh, we were doing it, a text chain going, what, what should we, what game should we play? And somebody was like, we need to do a survival game. Cause it's all about this, the shared purpose and everybody's contributing and you can log in when not everybody's on and you're still having a fun time. Cause you're, you know, getting resources. And then when everybody else logs on, you've done something cool and you we're all building a building together. I, I can imagine that feeling very positive and, uh, uh, 
good <laughs> right now. Yeah. Like when you succeed in anything, like the first time that we like grew a vegetable, we were like, oh, you can harvest it. Like we have a watermelon and like the excitement about the silliest, silliest little things was it. We, I expected to play that we'd play it for like an hour and be like, well, that was fun. Bye. We played it for four hours one night and then another four hours the other night. And it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Pretty fun. It's cool. Looks like it's technically still in early access, but oh, it's yeah. only, uh, only 20 bucks and uh, looking out on steam here. Yeah. Uh, Raft is the name of the game. Uh, yeah. So especially if anybody's looking to keep in touch with people long distance, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a good one. Uh, cool. yeah. What else? Uh, I'm also, I know I talked about this last time I was on the show, but I do want to bring it up again because it sort of had a resurgence with all this, uh, news going on is ring fit adventure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, I loved when you talked about it last time. And now, you, as you said, everybody who's stuck in the house, all of a sudden Ring Fit Adventure is like going for crazy prices on eBay. <laughs> it's like sh- there's shortages of it. Oh, my it's gosh. Wild. My friend was looking into buying one because she couldn't get to the gym. And I was like, there, you know, the prices are definitely more than I bought it for on eBay or online in general. But check it out. And then like – I found an article posted seven minutes ago from that was like Nintendo confirms Ring Fit Adventure sold out globally. Wow. Like, and it's like 300 bucks now on eBay if you want one. It's wild, but it is still so awesome. So if you do are like if you do like keeping fit, but you sort of have trouble finding sort of like a home routine workout and you can somehow get your hands on one, or if you bought it back in the day and then forgot about it, it really has only gotten better. Um uh, it started off where you're you're fighting these little like these little monsters and stuff, and you're running through the world. But eventually, the sort of the story like pull, pulls you into all the different muscle groups. So now you're doing this is like a total leg workout. This is a total arm workout. Abs, yoga, um, and then after you do sort of all the strength workouts a lot, then it goes back in and you do like a whole sort of cardio segment of the game. And the whole time, it's always so endearing. Again, like the big bad is like the personification of all the things that are negative about gym culture. So he's just always like flexing and scoping out his own muscles. I mean, like you're so puny. He'll never get hot like me. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's still a great game. And uh, yeah, I've, I've like lost a ton of weight. It's really cool. <laughs> That's really neat. And I, I'm kind of uh, kicking myself a little bit for not grabbing this when it was widely available. And also for, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about it for kind of deriding it and thinking of it as the butt of a joke. Cause it, you know, that, that announcement trailer was so kind of goofy in a Nintendo way that I, I laughed at it and I wish I hadn't because it sounds like it's actually really great and it's doing a lot of people a lot of good. And I wish, I wish I'd taken it more seriously when it came out. You could buy yeah. a house with one right now. If you sell yeah. it, you know, you gotta just <laughs> know. and it's the butt of a joke. All right. The firm thousand squats a day, <laughs> butt of a joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Bounce a quarter off that butt of a joke. <laughs> 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 oh man yeah and i also I think- looked for one and was like oh my little brother was like yeah my nephew he's like he's really getting into it and i was just like stop just just stop just stop showing that my my nephews uh and um my sister are exercising at home my nephew who's in high school uh he has mandated like 30 minutes of pe as part of their curriculum and what they're doing in their house is just dance they're literally just doing just dance. That's a I good just, workout. I just yeah. added that to my thing. I remember I, I bought that as well. I bought that for Switch, Just Dance 2020. Mm-hmm. And the girls and I have been playing that also. It, they they really like uh, End of the Unknown, the Frozen song on it, which is probably the least exercise of all of them. 
but uh, it's real good. It, you know, it gets them up, gets them excited. I've been doing that uh, that Beat Saber. With that's the what I need to do. That's yeah. so good. That's that. That's what I wish I bought was a VR headset. Now Alex is coming, and I'm like, everybody's talking about it, and everybody I know when I got a friggin' headset, I'm like, ah, oh, this is the next <laughs> thing I'm going to be ten years behind on. Well, this is exactly what we'll be talking about next week. By the time you hear this episode, dear listener, I will be playing that game. I'm so, so, so excited. By the time you um, hear this episode, dear listener, this will be our last episode because yeah. Jeff will not stop playing. <laughs> Christian, will be, Christian will be doing the show solo next week, and I will be in the world of a half-life, City 17 or bust. That's where I'm, All of a sudden, um, a bright and optimistic future, City 17. Yeah, yeah, City 17, because it's better than real life. Um <laughs> Oh. But uh, Lana, you've also been playing the Ori's. I see I both have. of the Ori's. On yes, here. yeah. So uh, I had a friend give me Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and I was really excited about it. And I'm kind of embarrassed, and I really hope that one person in particular never listens to this. And me saying, up until this past week, I'd never played Ori in the Blind Forest before. Um, it's and then I t- today I finished listening to your last week's episode to make sure I wasn't, you know just talking about all the same stuff you guys have previously talked about. And it was very fun to hear you guys talk about Will of the Wisps, Will of the Wisps and being like, what was the last one like? Is this one actually better? Because we do our research here at DLC. <laughs> and so I, I love having played them back to back so I can see the immediate comparison. And there are you, are you like going back and forth or did you just stick with blind forest until you were, done with it, and then move on. How did you situate that? So I, I almost 100%ed Ori in the Blind Forest. I, I got all the abilities, and then I was like, do I have to keep getting ability cells? I have all the abilities. No, no. I, tur- I turned it off, and then I, I moved into the next game. I started uh-huh. it yesterday, and then I played a little bit more today. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm going to hiccup. I didn't. I'm fine. Um, uh, and so just, just a back-to-back, but the direct translation – like, it was very easy to remember all the things that immediately frustrated me about the first one because I, I mean, I busted that out mostly in a day last weekend. Um, and then I just sort of did all the extra, extra stuff, getting all the rest of the abilities over the, over the course of the week. But I mean, Ori and the Will, Will of the Wisps, the first one was gorgeous, but this one is like so immaculately beautiful. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah, it, it really is. It, it's just stunning to look at, and the animations, like how there's little animations for so many things. I'm imagining that you are appreciating the animations in particular. I am, and when yeah. you're when you're running around the world, even just the difference of like, oh, I'm running over this log now, it bounces with the weight of me on it. Yeah, like that was not at all in the first one, which is like gorgeous. But now, it, like, it feels so tactile and good, and how quickly you get that wall sticky, like be able to just stick to the walls yeah. instead. Like that happened so far into the last game right that this was like oh thank god immediately <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is nice and I, that is the one that i've never swapped out <laughs> i just always leave them all sticky in my uh repertoire mm-hmm. i was very interested to see what i can only imagine is a ton of influence from hollow knight and i'm not sure if either of you played hollow knight um didn't you christian dabbled never finished yeah yeah uh the the whole sort of save system and then these like this shard system that they have it has been it, it and even the how you get the maps in this one is so hollow knight there's a map maker guy in hollow knight and you have to go find him in each section and then he'll open it up for you after you pay him and that's like identical to what this is 
Um, and then even sort of like you have these three slots that you can sort of interchange these different abilities out of that is identical to Hollow Knight as well. Um, so how much, again, as you referenced, I barely remember, I barely played Blind Forest. I, I feel ashamed of now, but I love Will of the Wisps. And I, since you have that direct comparison, do you see it as a big evolution forward? Do you, do you think that there's something lost? What's the comparison between the two games for you? The comparison of Ori and the Blind Forest, I feel like, is so, like, like simple in a way and charming. Like, there's, it's definitely like interesting and challenging, and and there's, but the, it's not super deep. Whereas this one, immediately, you're like, I've played the game for an hour. I already unlocked seven different abilities. I have right. all these different shards that I can use, and there's a combat system, which there was not a combat system. Not not like this, like with like a full combos and like juggling enemies in the air and like using attacks on enemies to keep yourself in the air so you can strategically use your double or triple jump to get you somewhere else is like a massive shift in how the, the game plays and, and sort of the ultimate goals, I think, of what they're trying to achieve. And it's yeah. so fun. I love it. It feels so satisfying to, to hit these enemies around and man, it's... It's a big shift. It definitely feels different, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like anything's lost. It just definitely definitely feels like the next chapter. Yeah, I, I also love the the combat system. I find it so so fun. So was in the first game. Was there anything like the bash? Ability? Oh yeah, that's like the quintessential oh, Ori ability. You you get it oh, okay. much much later in the game, but it yeah, is the so same. I never did. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But it's man, it's so awesome to get. The bash when you're like just double jumping through all those thorns and you're like, I don't even care about these thorns. I'm gonna just gonna jump on these lanterns out of here, like a graceful little whatever I am. So good. Yeah. The that the game really nails that feeling of a power-up being satisfying mm-hmm. to me. You feel like, oh yes, I can do something that I've been wanting to do so much. The the thing that gave me a, a such a pain now is not a pain anymore, but then there's new pains, right? But it, it, it's so it's so satisfying to go, oh, yeah, now I can just fly through this area. Or even when you're able to like go into the water, eventually it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about water killing me instantly. <sighs> it's so, you know, the, the, it really ramps up in such a wonderful way. It's, it's paced great. Yeah, and it's I, one of the great quality 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 bleh, quality of life improvements. I feel like was made is that things like the water and the spikes don't one shot you. Right, they're so yeah. much more generous with your health. Oh, and there's an auto save. Oh my gosh, there's an auto save. Thank the Lord. Yeah, the 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 where you pick up from dying is very nice. It never makes me hate the game. You know. Uh, I, because you didn't get very deep into the first one and perhaps Christian, you might not recall, there was no autosave. You had to spend energy to self, like try to remember to save uh-huh. as frequently as you can. So sometimes you die and you'd be like, oh my God, I haven't saved in how long? And then you'd have to yeah. redo everything. It was Ugh. brutal, brutal. Harsh. Yeah. I, that is the when you when you're just in the groove and you're like I'm grooving I'm grooving I'm grooving and then you do one wrong thing and you go oh I haven't saved it. yeah oh that's the worst and that's like it worst. it has its moments where you're like I know I'm gonna try something stupid here so I'll just save like that <laughs> yeah. was great but otherwise <laughs> yeah. Bleh. yeah 
Yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is such a home run. I adore that game. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's evocative. I it I got to the point where uh, I, I hadn't gotten to the point last week where I understood why it's called the Will of the Wisps, and now I have. And uh, I'm surprised that this game is has gone there and is doing. It's really a an interesting narrative and that is emotional and powerful and um, gorgeous. Just it's like. It's a lovely game that everyone should play. And the fact that I'm just getting it with Game Pass is pretty wild, too. But, uh, all right. So, uh, we have the other big game that we got to talk about, Christian, is Doom Eternal. I know you've been playing it. I've been playing it. I know you were a huge fan of Doom 20, what, 16, was it? Yeah. Uh, tell me how you feel about Doom Eternal. I, I played Doom 2016 on PC with a controller. Uh, blasphemy, I know, but it's Doom, so you're allowed to have blasphemy uh, while Wait, you play on, Doom. on PC with a controller? That is how I played it. Okay. I, I know. My, my <laughs> WASD... Well, we lost a listener, Christian. Congratulations. <laughs> my my WASD don't work in a panic is what happens. I, I am the opposite of so many. I was a console gamer through and through, came to PC late, and I can't... Yeah. You can you can mispronounce her name, but do not suggest playing Doom on. Sorry. Yeah, I in a in a fast fight, my WASD is not good. It is not good. I do like the precision of a mouse, but I I am not good on a keyboard. Um, I am playing Doom Eternal on PS4, a base PS4 with back paddles. Um, so let me start by saying it is it is beautiful, even on a base PS4. I can only imagine what it looks like on PC or a, a more powerful console. But it is beautiful. It is fast. You know, that you feel that 60 frames per second. You it really is, do. You really do. It's it's so easy to forget how big a deal a high frame rate is. But yeah, man, it's, uh. it's, it's really nice. Uh, the music is great. That, you know, the metal kicking up right when it should. Um I say all of that to say that to not bury the lead anymore, I'm not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed Doom 2016. And I think the reason why is I have not found my rhythm yet. Kind of similar to Ori and kind of it, you know, demanding more of you and Will of the Wisps. Um, I feel like Doom Eternal feels significantly harder. Either that or I've gotten significantly worse at games. Uh, b- both possible. It, yeah, I was going to say, does it have to be one or the other? Yeah, a little little <laughs> bit of both uh, in, in the four years. But while Doom 2016, it had the nice push and pull of, you know, melee to get health, chainsaw to get ammo, and that was kind of it. Doom Eternal is like, yeah, melee to get health, chainsaw to get ammo, flamethrower to do this and blood punch to do this and you're you know also by the way it's a platformer to do this uh and you've got a grenade to do that and this enemy to that and shoot this weak point to do that and this to do that and that to do that you can't touch the ground why are you touching the ground you shoot the weak points over there that character also dodges by the way that imp can kill you in one shot you're out of ammo you should have picked up the gas you messed up you did everything wrong and you're dead and i'm just like holy crap it is hard and I have not found my rhythm yet of like, I feel like I'm constantly out of ammo and out of gas and also out of life, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. But I just, I can't, it hasn't clicked for me yet in the same way that um, 2016 did. And I'm maybe four hours in at this point. I love it, but I'm, I'm having a hard time 
adapting to its demands. What what difficulty are you playing it on? Uh, now the easiest. I started where I played <laughs> Doom. I started on Doom 2016. I played on the one up from like hurt me, like whatever default is. I turned it up a notch. And this, I started there, and then I couldn't get out of the first combat encounter. <laughs> and then I went, I went all the way down to I'm a big, I'm a big dumb dumb baby, and that's where I've kept it. Is that what the mode's called? Yeah, it's called yeah, like, I, Christian I mean, sucks at saying people's names and is bad at WAFD. <laughs> I think it's been a rough four years. It's just called. It's been a rough four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely agree that the game is hard. And I have said many times on the show, I'm often not the guy who wants to put myself through stuff like that. I love this game. I am so into it. And I want to talk specifically about the hard thing with regard to this game. You know, I, I really like how they have doubled down on that rant that you just did. Christian is accurate. Uh, It is not inaccurate, but I kind of love that that is the, that is the mechanic that they are embracing. That is yeah. the, t- the template that they, that that's what doom is now. They turn it up doom to 11. This, this situational awareness of you have, it's all rock, paper, scissors. It's like, this does that. And this does that. And you have to know what you need to do in any given situation to do the thing. If do you need, uh, do you need armor? Well, flamethrower an enemy before you kill them. Do you need health? Well, get them down to where they flash and then do a, a, a glory critical kill. strike yeah yeah glory kill do you need ammo then you gotta run up and chainsaw me and you better not try to have to do that twice because you're gonna run out of it it is constantly making my brain work in a very tactical way when well, you have a double jump and an air dash and uh <laughs> yeah double air dash and you know you can do all this crazy stuff not to mention all of the weird upgrades that you can customize your play style to figure out how like, Oh, I like doing this in in a particular way. So I have, if I find this, I'm going to do that. And then the different weapons behave in different ways and you run out of ammo in different ways and certain enemies, as you said, you need, you really need to attack them in a very specific way or they're going to own you. You know, you got to knock that turret off the top of that thing. Um, I really appreciate that. And I think the reason is, you know, people talk about loving games like Ori the first one or, uh, or, uh, you know, dark souls, demon souls, the souls games. No, uh, list them all, please. <laughs> <laughs> Bloodborne, uh, Neo, you know, no. Um, so <laughs> I have dabbled in those games and I had a lot of joy playing dark souls two uh, with a friend because he kind of guided me through as my Sherpa. And that was really fun, but I never really play those games specifically because that kind of difficulty, I don't, find fun. And I really thought about it this week, what it is about those things. And what I find tedious and frustrating in video games tends to be when I know what I have to do and it's, can I do it? Most of the time, the answer is no, I can't. And it's frustrating because I know what I need to do. It is a very specific pattern that I need to do. And it's the execution that you hit your head against the wall. It's the super meat boy thing of like, or, you know, really crazy Mario maker levels. I'm just not going to do that because I I find it very frustrating to go, oh, I needed to do that just a half a second later. I didn't do it. And same thing with 
the Souls games where it's a very specific pattern and it's pattern recognition. It's almost like playing a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. You know, you do this when he does that. When he does that, I definitely do this. When and, he does that, I die. <laughs> right. And what I find in game in a game more like you know, Doom Eternal or games more like that kind of difficulty, it is still, I think, emphasizing and rewarding my improvisation in a moment. It's lateral thinking. It's not keeping myself strictly to a pattern and recognizing that pattern and executing that pattern. It is a series of losing control, gaining control, a series of, of scampering away and freaking out and leaping around and, oh my gosh, how am I going to, oh, there's a guy I can use as ammo. I'm going to use that guy as ammo. Now I turn around and there's another dude. I'm going to, oh, I can throw a grenade. It is that level of in the moment uh, improvising. And yeah, I die a lot because maybe I didn't do it the right way. But the next time I, I attempt it, it almost never goes the same way. I'm almost never dying because of the same thing. It's not that that enemy did its super attack and I did my timing just wrong to avoid it and I need to learn its timing in a specific way. Although there's a little of that in Doom Eternal, right? There's certain enemies that if they do a certain thing, if the big eye monster opens his mouth, I better shoot a grenade in there. But for the most part, it is this wonderful chaos of being locked in a room with a bunch of bad things. The guitar music starts ramping up and I'm just like, you know, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And it is, I love that, that improvisational nature of it where I'm trying to process all of the things I know about what's useful and what works and all of these wonderful rock, paper, scissors things of, if I need that, I have to do this. And if I need that, I have to do this. But I'm doing that on the fly as needs arise. And that's what I love about a game like Heroes of the Storm. You know, it's it's much more fights are unpredictable and wild. That's why when I can get into games that can be frustrating, that's what I like about them is that the more I learn about the systems, the more dynamic I can be about my approach, not the more strict I can be in executing the one way to accomplish the goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it hundred percent does. I feel like the one way to accomplish the goal though, like in doom eternal is keep moving. Like if there was one way, you know, it's like if, but not in the same way every time, you know, it's not, it's it's keep moving, but it's, you know, one time that I die, I'm going to keep moving and I do the wrong, go the wrong way. And another time I'm going to go, it's just, it's always different. It's always wild, you know? It's interesting because I feel I haven't played Doom Eternal yet, um, but it almost sounds like your description of this campaign mode sounds a lot like experiences with multiplayer, which most of my Doom experience comes from playing Doom way back in the day in multiplayer mode. And of course, it's going to be different every time because you're facing other people in like a deathmatch kind of situation. And so... It feels interesting to hear you talk about like your frustrations with it, where you're not dying because of the same thing. And it sounds, it sounds like it's mirroring that chaos that you'd feel in a death match in multiplayer mode where anybody can be anywhere at any time trying to kill you. Um, but I think that's accurate. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think on brand. it, yeah, it is on brand, but it accomplishes it in such an u- interesting way. I think it's not, it's not like the AI is, is particularly clever you know it's just 
So level design, it, it tends to be get yourself into an arena, kill everything in there before you can leave, but everything is bouncing off the walls and you're bouncing off the walls and there's multiple levels and you're, you know, there's, I mean, it really does feel like a series of multiplayer maps to a certain extent. I didn't really conceptualize it that way, but I think you're right. I think that's probably one of the design ideas that they had is, is to do that. And it's effective. I, I find it very effective. It can be frustrating because you, I die in the same arena over and over and over. But then when you do it, it feels so awesome. And we talked about how much more this one has platforming. It really does. I mean, it's almost like Metroid Prime level uh, platforming. There are sequences that are... But faster. Think, Metroid Prime was not this fast. It's <laughs> like near edge, edge sequences which you're going through? Not quite that. Not quite that fast. Uh, but it is... There are very complex, you know, jump over this. Okay, that platform is falling into hot lava, so you need to leap at the right moment beneath flaming chains, you know, to get to the next platform that you can only get to in the very right second. Then you have to cling to a wall and turn around. I mean, it is very much a – there are platforming sections that aren't even combat sections. And then there's also platforming inside combat sections. So – it feels like a very different game than 2016, and I, I am, I'm liking it much more than I like that that game. I, mean, I feel like they just leaned into everything. They turned everything up. Like 2016 had some platforming, and it had that that you know rock paper scissors version of it. But this just it it really did it doubled down on all of that, and I think that was a smart way to go. Where it's like you're either constantly evolving or you're, you're it's stagnant, right? And yeah. while other games didn't necessarily catch up to what doom 2016 did um in terms of it's that kind of ballet bringing people in there was there were some games that would reward you with that um i talked about um i'm blanking on the name of it so i'll just keep talking um uh but they really did they leaned into that that everything has a cause and cause and effect relation in in doom eternal and i think my brain just hasn't grokked it yet and the answer is always go in the answer is always do something risky it, the answer is never hide behind something, right? Yeah. The answer is never uh, retreat. I mean, th- you have to retreat sometimes, but the the answer to all of your problems in Doom is be more aggressive. You know, it, it is a, a an entire system that says, hey, do you need something? Then you better kill something to get it. it. You have to destroy a demon in order to get whatever resource you need. And you're going to be needing resources a lot. It's also a game that says, reloading that's boring we don't even let's just ignore the idea of reloading you know it's pretty wild that there's no button to reload there's no reloading there's just are you out of ammo or do you have ammo and oftentimes Uh you're out of ammo it's interesting the it's almost like a strategy game in a lot of ways it really uses health and ammo and armor as resources to be expended it's not there are not resources to be preserved they are resources to be used and they fluctuate wildly during any moment of the game. You are constantly high health, low health, high health, low health, high health, low health. It's not. It's a very different kind of shooter than than most games that handle that stuff. And I think it's a really cool formula. Um, it's strange to me that in this time where so much is scary, so much is dark, so much feels um, heavy and worrisome in in the real world for me that I would like to be in this world. I really thought before this game came out that I wouldn't want to play a Doom right now. And I find it to be so nice, 
such a it's so fast and so uh, intense and just high octane to to the max that it is it feels oddly comforting to just like get into doom and go crazy. Uh, I, I didn't expect that. I thought it would be the opposite, honestly. Got to let the rage out. I guess. I guess has to be channeled somewhere. All right, let me uh, thank our sponsor, then we'll get back to the rest of your playlist, Christian, because I want to talk Animal Crossing, because that's another huge game that just dropped. Uh, but first, I want to thank new sponsor, Handy. Uh, Handy is a leading platform for connecting individuals looking for household services with top-quality, independent service professionals. From home cleaning to handyman services, Handy instantly matches thousands of customers every week with top-rated professionals. Now, of course, hard. To, this is a hard time to uh, do stuff like this, but I bet being home a lot, as I am in my house, you're noticing lots of things that could use fixing. <laughs> so when we're through all this, keep Handy in your mind. If you need stuff now, maybe that you can't go outside and do, Handy can do that. You won't even need to interact with a professional, but these are vetted individuals, vetted handy pros with, with background checks. They make sure they're background checked and rated by customers to ensure quality. Uh, you can always learn more about the background checks they do at handy.com slash trust and safety. You can choose a plan so they can come maybe clean your yard. If you don't want to you know, interact with people during this crazy time where we should all stay in and be social distancing, they can clean your yard. You can choose weekly, biweekly, or monthly cleaning pa- plans. Uh, and uh, Handy schedules the recurring bookings to make things easy. They have a quality service that's been connecting people to professionals since 2012. Uh, this is pretty cool. I'm excited to use this. I've noticed many things that could use a handyman. I am not a handyman. So uh, when we can get back to uh, inviting people inside our homes, I'm I'm going to be very much uh, using Handy. And uh, we can help you out if you want to check it out. We have a special limited time offer. Get your first three-hour cleaning for only $29 when you sign up for a cleaning plan. Go to handy.com slash Jeff sent me. Enter promo code Jeff sent me. That's a three-hour home cleaning for only $29 with a cleaning plan at handy.com slash Jeff sent me with promo code Jeff sent me. Terms and conditions apply. Visit Handy's website for more information. Handy, the most reliable name in house cleaning. All right, Christian, uh, tell me about that Animal Crossing. That's basically all I see on my on my Twitter feed these days is, uh, hey, bad things in the world. Hey, good things in the Animal Crossing world. So are you loving it as much as other people seem to be? It is a gosh darn delight. I am in love with Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, and I say all that to say I have not played a minute of it. I bought it, downloaded it, installed it, or, you know, got fired it up, got ready to start it. My two daughters came running out and they said, is that Animal Crossing? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And my seven-year-old goes, I want to play. And I was like, giddy up, let's go. Uh, She has not wanted to put the controller down. Uh, In in COVID-19 realities, it's also great where it is she's in first grade. It's pushing her to read more than she otherwise would. I'm sitting there next to her, but the controller has not been in my hand past setting up the character where we all, you know, chimed in with like the little bits and bops and eye color and stuff like that, that we'd, that we'd have. And 
it is just such a delightful game. The everything about it, and and I, it's annoying that I keep saying this about Nintendo games because I feel like maybe I gave them a pass for too many years before, but seeing it in HD is is just a treat, right? I haven't seen Animal Crossing on the big screen since the Wii, which it it wasn't. You know, I think I did have the 480p like progressive scan attachment for my Wii, so it was as crisp as it could have been. But it looks so sharp in the art direction and the way that they're. Um, artists are able to work within the specs of the switch hardware, like the way individual leaves will rustle when you you know use your axe to chop down a tree, the, the way things land on the ground, the plop of the um, when you're fishing, when you pull out a fish, all of the creatures, when you show them off the animals visiting uh, friends islands, we FaceTimed with um, my nieces as they were playing because Nintendo switch online is still like bad for like actually communicating. Um, Mm -hmm. We visited their Island and got fruit and bugs from their Island and they visited our Island and, you know, we were getting our museum set up. We have our house coming every, I mean, it is animal crossing. Don't get me wrong. It's like, if you haven't enjoyed animal crossing, this doesn't change things so dynamically that it, it's a brand new franchise. But the things that it adds to it that we are just kind of getting into it now, but like the terraforming is a really cool addition. When you start on your island, you're you're pretty much stuck in a small part of your island because there's like a stream that will go through it that you can't cross until later when you're able to, you know, move ground around. And, and it feels like such a perfect mix of like beautiful art direction and some of my favorite parts of minecraft where it's not as in-depth as minecraft and what you can craft pretty much anything and everything as a resource but everything looks so beautiful and you still are crafting things that you know make air quote sense and then the way that this game has evolved your ability to display your stuff anywhere put it in your house the way furniture rearrangement happens in your house is like its own mini game like i could see that legit as a mobile game that's very successful there probably is one you know that is just similar to how you're able to design your space in animal crossing new horizons um it 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 really is a wonderful change of pace from you know so much that is happening in in the news and in the world right now of just the, the the horrible situation we're in and being able to do and i mean this positively but like mundane and trivial things in animal crossing that are constantly rewarding, but also never ending is, 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 it's just a treat. And the writing is sharp. Tom Nook doesn't seem like as much of a jerk, but it's still kind of a jerk. Um, comparing the people, the other residents on our Island versus our niece's Island is really fun. And those interactions, it's just an absolute, absolute joy. And then for me, the added, uh, part of watching my daughter's experience Animal Crossing for the first time and seeing my daughter's eyes like, you know, really come alive as she puts things together and she gets a new um, do-it-yourself recipe to make this thing and then realizing how she can now interact with the world um, and, and what this unlocks for her and, you know, paying off her mortgage <laughs> 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 and all those real world skills about budgeting and, and what are you going to spell your spend your bells on and how are you going to invest your time to you know, get certain things out of it because we don't have like a hard and fast rule on you know, 30 minutes of screen time, hour of screen time or whatever. It's not unlimited, right? So she's like, so what am I going to do in this play session? It is real time. I need to do these things today that are due today. How am I going to do them? And uh, I, I'm thinking 
you know, when they go to bed, I'm, I, I Jones big, I'm just going to go spruce things up a little bit for them, but <laughs> we're not, we're not there yet. I think they'd be very upset with me if I did it, but I, I cannot recommend animal crossing on switch enough. It is absolutely beautiful. And it seems to, um, it's a slower start than I remember other animal crossings, but I say that to say, but it still seems to respect your time and that you're, you're, you clearly see yourself getting things as you're moving toward um, having your kind of island totally unlocked. Whereas before you were the new kid in an established town and here we're setting the the framework for what our island is going to be when everybody else moves in. And it's, it feels like it's a refreshing change of pace. Were you always able to visit other people's islands in Animal Crossing or is that a new feature? You could visit towns. They, they definitely had multiplayer. I forget exactly how it was done because it was on the Wii is the last console one and then 3DS. I yeah. don't remember, but you could trade and, and stuff like that. And this one, you have a best friends mode. So like you can't just visit and like chop everybody's trees down. You know, you have to give them access. So you can let people visit and collect like your fruit and stuff like that and you know, plant pears or whatever you're doing, but they can't just come in and ruin your town unless you give them like best friend access. Um, it's really well done. And there's something surreal to you have a smartphone in it, your Nook phone. And it's really surreal to see like my daughter and my niece like playing and then both of them, their characters in game on their phones, <laughs> like looking things up. Um, but it's it's really nice. It's really, really yeah, nice. Everybody seems to love it, man. I just have no desire to play that game, but I'm I glad people are taking it. I don't get it. I'm I'm so excited that the people are excited about it. And it always it's just I'm mesmerized by such an incredible level of energy, like yeah. ecstatic hype level energy of people being like, I can't wait to relax. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's also it's so I, I don't know if you've seen it. Some Really amazing Animal Crossing slash Doom Eternal crossover art. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. Because they were supposed to have the same release date and people were getting really hype about both of them. So there's some really, if you haven't seen it, very charming pictures of, I think it's Isabel, uh, like wearing the suit from Doom. It's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you, it seems like that's a game I would like and not really into, be into Doom, but man, it's the opposite. I, I do not understand Animal Crossing, I, but I, like you, I am so pleased that people I mean, are, I think you understand it. There's nothing to understand. It's, it's, it's any video game, right? Yeah. What it did is it cutified uh, MMO fetch quests and there's no end goal other than to make the place exactly how you want it to be. And with fun interactions, witty you know, characters and beautiful aesthetics in which you do it. Yeah. I guess it's like saying, I don't get it. Isn't fair. I totally get it. It does. There's, there's almost no, like little to no appeal to me as, as a player. Sure. Right there with you. But you know, I'm I'm sorry. You both hate happiness and nice things. (laughs) Speaking of hating happiness, uh, do you want to talk about outer wilds Christian? Because I I added it because I figured I've already messed up pronunciation, admitted my, (laughs) W-A-S-D. Yeah, I may as well complete the trifecta, right? Tell me how much you hated it. Tell me. I'm ready. I I didn't even hate it. I couldn't get to the good stuff. I I played for two hours, and I was so bored. (gasps) The game is only like 10 hours long or something. Like, it's so short. Really? Because those two hours felt like a lifetime. I just couldn't. And and I know, and I'm not poo-pooing, I'm not trying to poo-poo the people that, you know, 
worked hard on it. And I know people love it, so I'm not trying to yuck other people's yum. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, you're trying to yuck Lana's yum specifically. But, yes. But uh, let me say this: the, the amount of like, I'm so thank you so much for trying it. I know that on Twitter, I was like, hi, we met once. Remember this game that I have no stake in, but you should play it. <laughs> like, thank That's you for That's how much you respect it. your opinion. Oh, well, well see, now I'm worried because I'm like, well, now I can never recommend anything again. You're like, is this another Outer Wild situation? I had like two choices. I could either like play the game or learn how to pronounce, pronounce your name. And I was like, mm, what am I going <laughs> to do? I just, there were like small little disconnects for me where, and maybe because I spent so much time playing Outer Worlds, like it, it had the aesthetic of like that and a No Man's Sky. It felt like I had played games with this aesthetic already. Or no, not Outer Worlds. Um, uh, What was the other one? Um, Journey to the Savage Journey Planet. Journey to the Savage Planet. I'd spent a lot of time in that uh, and it kind of looked the same, but I felt like my little reticle on screen, I didn't feel like I was a character, like the way I animated my first person thing moved through. I felt like I was just a cursor floating mm-hmm. through the space. Um, and it felt kind of like mist for me in terms of like my interactions with the things and the, the gravity thing, like propelling myself around in 3d space. I didn't find super enjoyable. And I was talking to someone else like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't really enjoy enjoy that part. And, and he was just like, oh. Uh, you might be done then. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh no, what, yeah. what does that mean? So uh, the last time I came on the show, I I know I raved about it, but I think I was I, I think I was like, I love it so much, but I won't say anything about it because I don't want to spoil it. And I spoil away. But for people who don't know about Outer Wilds, if you don't mind, I'm sort of like taking over. No, do it, do it. I would I would much rather <laughs> this than me say I tried it. I didn't like it. <laughs> So Outer Wilds um, is a game where it's, it is first person, but it's sort of a puzzle game, but it's sort of narrative driven puzzles. And you, the, the main sort of game loop is that you get in this, you learn how to fly this ship. You sort of walk through your home planet that's there. There's a whole, you're in a little solar system and there's, I think, seven or eight planets that you can go visit. And each of them is like a puzzle piece, this narrative puzzle piece. And you have to solve different puzzles at each planet. And so, but you learn things about them. There's sort of foreshadowing about the, the game itself on the initial planet that you begin on. But uh, you take off in this little ship and the controls are kind of janky. And that's sort of supposed to be part of the charm as you're in this janky spaceship. Um, but it has sort of a ground, Groundhog's Day situation where in real time, every time you get you play the game, the sun goes supernova and explodes every 22 minutes. And that's real time 22 minutes of starting to play the game, starting your loop and going out into space. So sort of the jo- the, the the interesting part is getting in your ship, getting to a planet and navigating it and not really understanding what's going on. And then you'll maybe find like a little narrative piece that says, oh, well, I should be looking here. And then that's how this crystal thing works. And so I can actually walk up this wall and get up there. What's up there? But then before you can get up there, the sun goes supernova and you're back at base and you're like, okay. But now I know I need to go to that planet and walk up this wall and do this thing. And uh, it's just sort of like the depths of like, you really, you're trying to piece together this story of this ancient race that had lived in this solar system before by visiting all these planets and seeing all the things that they were trying to do. And the, the, nar- the narrative itself, I think, is a finalist for a Nebula Award this year. So wow, wow. like yeah. the, the narrative itself 
is I think what really drove me. And then just some really interesting mechanics for the way they solve the puzzles uh, or the way they put together the puzzles, how each planet is so distinct in its, in its visual style and the types of puzzles that you're solving in those areas. And um, uh, yeah, I, I liked just being a cursor because I cared more about sort of the the race and the sort of the all the story that you're trying to discover and, and how to even get to some of these places on the planet. And it felt like a really beautiful discovery game. And so I'm sorry you hated it, but man, I loved it. Man, I'm glad you loved it. And so many people did. It connected with so many people. Um, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. Have you given it another shake? Cause I feel like hearing about it, I I didn't, it never seemed like a game for me. It seems like a game for you. It does seem like a game for me, a, a point that many people have made uh, that have said, please, Jeff, just play it. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. I gave it a shot long time, right when it came out, and it didn't hook me because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't get to the hook, I guess. Um, I, like you, kind of felt like the ship was janky. The, I just didn't feel – it didn't – I don't know. I, it hit me at a weird time. I've been meaning to go back to it. I just haven't I heard, seen too many other things, but I heard that you liked Subnautica. I love Subnautica. Yeah, if I'm, that's what. And when you were recommending The Witness on one of the episodes, you guys were talking about that, and I'm like, this is those they games the combined. It's like this sort of exploration. Like things are kind of janky in Subnautica. Like things don't always work great in Subnautica, but like, yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'll cop to the fact that I got to play Subnautica in VR. So that's a big part of what I loved about it (laughs) is that I was in it and it was all around me and like, it was completely immersive and amazing. And I just felt like I was, the exploration in that game felt so satisfying because it really felt like I was in a place. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do, I think I understand what you're saying about the connection because the way that game reveals its narrative is amazing and was completely unexpected to me because i thought it was just a survival game when i played it and then all of a sudden i started discovering things and going what 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 Mm -hmm. um so in that way i would be very much into outer wilds uh i just wait if i could play outer wilds in vr i'd be all over it um which is a terrible thing to say i guess but yeah but i i uh if you give it a shot I, I just, I recommend you do. And then I don't know, Christian, if you ever made it to the sort of the twin planets. Mm, no. Oh, see that, that's what sold me. The puzzle specifically on the the twin planets. I won't say anything more than that. But as soon as I realized what was happening between those two, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow. So now I got to Now I have to play it. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> very cool. The 22 you minute I- loop. It's like how much this game is tied into that 22 minutes. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, when slash if I ever return from City 17 next week, uh, I will I will try that game again. Um, but I may never come back from City 17. That's all I'm saying is I may never come back. Um, hey, I want to talk a little bit of board games because a lot of people have been talking about um, the the quarantine and staying in and, and talking about board games. So let's do that real quick. Make a little tabletop time. Right now, right now. The first thing I want to talk about in tabletop time, Lana, is your experience using Roll Twenty for D and D playing with friends 
in isolation, you can play. A lot of people I know are turning to that. A lot of people that have regular games of D&D that they get together in real human meat space for, uh, now unable to, are turning to stuff like Roll20. I think we may even be using a similar solution for the dungeon run coming up. What has been your experience using Roll20 to play D&D? Um, it was super good, super smooth. And, and cer- certain elements of it were actually a lot cooler. Um, uh, I will say for anybody looking into it, there definitely is a bit of setup involved uh, where we were using Roll20 and D&D Beyond. But unfortunately, you can't actually import your character sheet into Roll20 from D&D Beyond. So you have to sort of remake the whole thing. But you can just sort of type everything in there. You don't have to like properly go through and find all the items and stuff if people are familiar with D&D Beyond. Um, yeah, D&D Beyond is fantastic. Yeah. And there actually is also a, a, a Chrome plugin and probably, you know, insert browser here plugin that connects the two. So you can c- click navigate around in D&D Beyond and it appears in Roll20. Um but we right now we're uh, playing a Zeitgeist campaign, so it's sort of um, we're all members of our, the Royal Home, uh, the Royal Home Front Constabulary. Can't, I can't even pronounce it right now. Um, <laughs> we're all RHG members, um, yeah. and so we're actually on a boat, and so we're traveling to this new location on the boat, and there we have another plugin, virtual tabletop, and there's water on the boat. And when we're like, okay, the boat starts moving, the D and D the, the DM clicks something and the water's moving under the boat. I can see That's us cool. on the boat moving in the water. That was awesome. That's awesome. That was very, very cool. Um, it is pretty convenient for saying like, Oh, you took damage and you just type your damage in, or even the DM can be like, you took damage and it just disappears from your character sheet. That's um, great. Uh, we, the social system in that, like the chat, you could like, put videos and audio, but like the actual embedded chat and video system wasn't super functional. So we did use discord for our audio, but otherwise doing roles and things in the digital space, you can even get like digital dice. So you can hear that nice plastic on wood. (laughs) Satisfying dice sound. Uh, And like the digital dice like scatter across your screen. So that's kind of (laughs) cute, but um, it took us a bit of time to get set up, but once we got going, it was, it was pretty darn, pretty darn good. That's great. I mean, I, I think it's actually even an opportunity for people that have never played before to do something in this time where we're all stuck home, you know, be able to to uh, interact online and st- stay in your individual places, but feel like you're together. I think that's great. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, I'm considering like some of my siblings, you know, after the kids go to bed, spinning up like a Bashinsky family Dungeons and Dragons campaign, I think would be a cute way to do it. Yeah, think. that's awesome. Would you DM it? I don't think I would. I think my partner uh, would. He's he's done more. I've, I've never DM before, uh, and I feel like I would want to play like with my. I don't know. I'm I'm debating. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I got to say, I love it. Um, but a lot of people have been emailing me and talking about ways to play stuff remotely, ways to play board games online with people, ways to, you know, I think one of the challenges that we're all facing in this wild time that we're living through is not feeling the isolation that we for, are forced to live through, not feeling separated, uh, even though we are having to be separated. And I was mentioning to my wife just the other day that, um, 
how much more difficult would this be if this had happened before the internet? You know, we're so fortunate that we at least have the internet and, and these methods of communication. And one of the things I wanted to mention when we talk about board games is uh, this site, yucata.de. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about it, but it is, um, there's a lot of places to play online board games. This is my favorite, yucata.de. It's y-u-c-a-t-a.de. Uh, they have so many fantastic European board games, designer board games. Some of my favorites, uh, they have Terra Mystica on here, which I love roll through the ages. I love so many games. There's tons and tons of games. Uh, Bruges is on here, which is a great game. Um, man, I'm just looking over. It's a huge list. Stone age, classic worker placement game. Uh, Machikoro, which is awesome. Luna, El Grande, uh, there, uh, there's tons and they're all made to be played online. Um, the, uh, the actual rules of the game, great graphics from the game, the visuals, it's made to recreate the tabletop experience. Uh, and you can play with people you don't know, or you can set up games with people you do. Uh, Puerto Rico's on here. That's actually the first time I ever played Yucata.de, uh, the site. Um, I came on to play Puerto Rico when I was like super into Puerto Rico about, I don't know, eight years ago now, six years ago, whatever it was. Um, but they continue to add new games all the time. Some really, really great modern recent games are on here, some classics. Um, so this is a great site if people are looking for ways to try out board games or play games they already like uh, online. I believe it's completely free. Uh, they have free online games with human players, no cost, no ads, pure fun. Pretty great. So uh, I highly recommend yukata.de if you're curious about board games, if you want to play games you already love with folks that you can't see in person anymore. This is a great way to do it. This is amazing. It's great. It's really, really great. Um, Christian, I know you played some board games recently back when we could meet in person with humans. Did you want to mention one of them? I wasn't sure if I had talked about these. I know they're still on the outline. Did I talk about these on the show? No, we haven't had a tabletop time in quite a while. You're sure. You talked about I'm Linky. Sure. I know you talked about well, Linky. We talked about Linky with um, Danish. Danish talked about but Linky. But then you played oh. it after that. Well, yeah. talk, I'll, I'll, I'll parse one out here, my favorite one, and then I'll talk about others as, as we, you know, later weeks. I don't need to blow the load. But yeah, this was before um you know where we are now social distancing please do it too and take it seriously if it's not where you are pretend it is it is where you are yeah for real everyone is for real (laughs) seriously please do it um so this is a game called just one that could probably be played pretty well remotely as well like um you know with facetime with a group of friends i might try it actually i bet it would work really well and the way it works is um you have uh you, you try to get people to guess. Um, I'm fumbling through it. Okay. So you all have, it's like picture a um, Scrabble thing that holds your tiles. It's like that, but it's made out of a, a whiteboard. So you can draw on it one side or it holds a card on the other side. And so if you are the person that has the card, you, you draw a card, you put it away from you. There are five words on it and you pick one through five. And so, I, you know, let's say three that word is like um circus so everyone else you're playing with can see that word circus and what they then write on the back on on their dry erase marker on their dry erase board is they write one word that is going to try to get you to guess the word in this example circus 
then the person who has the card closes their eyes or looks away, and everyone else that wrote a word on their dry erase board shows their word to each other. And if anybody has the same word, they have to put theirs face down, and the person guessing does not get to see it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the person guessing then looks at everybody's words that are written out there, and you have to think like, what one word are they now trying to get me to guess? So if it was circus in this example, someone might have like giraffe, lion, trapeze. Um, but the goal is to come up with clues that no one else is going to come up with. So it often, so the the genius of this game is that you self-select out the most obvious clues because you assume someone is going to say the most or write down the most obvious clue, and then you won't be able to actually use it. And then no one does. Out. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's beautiful. It's like it's it's self censoring. It's self you 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 actually go. Oh, I can't say clown for circus because everybody's going to say clown, right? So and then in I, doing so, everyone comes up with the complicated word, and everybody has like big. I guess big tops two words, but yeah, like whatever it is, you, you know. literally uh, ramp up your own difficulty by da- tap dancing around the obvious, which is it's a it's such a brilliant idea, you know. And if or if somebody's like, you know. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say the thing that is that is obvious, just hoping somebody else doesn't. And then somebody else does and it's canceled out. Like, ah! you know, it's, or, you, or you think mine was super obscure and then you're both going super obscure. And then you both do the super obscure one that happens to be the same and cancels out too. So it is, yeah, it's and a very it's- clever idea. Totally, you know, cooperative. It's all inclusive. There's not downtime between, you know, like waiting for someone else to do their turn. Everyone's always engaged and it's cooperative fully where it's like you're trying to get, I believe it's like you have 13 cards and there's even like, you know, a little tweak on just guessing blindly. So if you don't know what it is or you don't think you have a good idea, you can pass. And if you pass, then you don't get that card. Like you put that on the discard pile. Now you can only get 12 possible points or whatever it is. If you guess and get it wrong, you lose that card and the next card. So now you can only get 11 possible right answers. And at the end of the round, you know, it tells you like, oh, you got four right answers. Like you can do better than that, idiot. You know, the goal (laughs) is to try to get all 13 cards right. It plays quick. It's super fun. Um, you don't need to be a smarty pants to play it. And you definitely have that. It's fun with groups that have like group think going. Cause then you get the, uh, princess diaries. Like duh, duh, you expect me to pick that cop because, that. and it's also fun princess to play. Diaries? Did you just say princess, princess diaries? diaries? That's so funny. Princess <laughs> like, Bride. I was like, princess Bride. is that Meryl Streep slide? Or? <laughs> Hathaway. You don't remember when she comes down and says, I can't be a princess. My favorite movie is the princess bride. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's also fun with a group of people that don't know each other well because it's just for for the opposite reason where you can kind of just say whatever you want and then you'll learn you know kind of common clues as you go it's called just one it plays quick and i bet you can play it remotely the other one i will say that is great for a remote play playing on facetime and all you really need is uh people on equal teams on, on each team on each side of the video conference call taboo works really well as a FaceTime game. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they don't have the game, you can quickly make up your own set of cards. But if most people have it kind of sitting in a closet somewhere, it's like my wife and I playing with two other couples, we just do like guys and gals or whatever it is. And so my wife can look to buzz me if I mess up and vice versa when someone else is playing and you're just, you know, reading the clues to, um, 
you're trying to get the other person to guess. It works really, really well. It's a game most people have, and it kind of creates intimacy in a, in a FaceTime world. Cool. What's the recommended group size for just one? I would say four is kind of the smallest, and I think like six is probably the sweet spot. Fun game. It's a fun, fun game. Well, I hope uh, folks out there get a chance to play stuff, see each other virtually, and make the most of... Uh, but just Being one would isolated. totally work as a FaceTime game too, as I'm Absolutely. thinking through it. Oh, oh yeah. And like people should definitely support the developers, but it does sound like something you can just do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so pretty much like also a sucker for any game that has a whiteboard or a dry erase marker in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Lana, we got party games coming up. Lana. Tell folks, thank you so much for being here, by the way. Again, you're the best, and we're going to keep bugging you to be on because I love hearing your your view on games, and you're, you're awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I really, really adore the show and your guys' views on games. And, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me. <laughs> Yay. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and your goings-on online. Oh, um, people can uh, – Keep up with me. Probably the best way is just Twitter. Uh, that's at Latienai, L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. Uh, you can see I'm in sort of been hanging out in the chat if you are hanging out with us live on Twitch right now. Um, but yeah, Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. I love talking games. I leave my DMs open if you want to chat. So that's cool. Very, very cool indeed. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on? I am washing my hands and I am staying yep. inside. Good man. Um, thank you to those that, uh, suggested some like homeschooling kid recommendations in the subreddit. There's some good stuff in there. I'm, I'm working on that still. I have a pretty good cadence going as we enter week two uh, of that. Um, and then I think it was two episodes ago. I like teased a thing or a thing, or I was like excited about a thing. Um, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll, Same I'll, with everything these days, I guess. Yeah, I'll say that. But hopefully, fingers crossed, it still, you know, it still happens. But Twitter's the best way. At Spicer, you can see my dank tweets, like my my sick pick a console poll, brah. You know? Uh, <laughs> maybe we can start some memes about trying to put your, your weak games into PS5's powerful low times <laughs> uh but twitter's the best way and then i stream this show uh most sundays 7 15 p.m pacific time on my twitch which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer jeff what about you well you can always follow me on twitter at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t i also love getting your emails here to the show dlc feedback at gmail.com there's some other shows if you got more time on your hands and you want to check out some other things. I got a movie and TV review podcast called The Slash Filmcast. We're figuring out what to do. This week we reviewed the 1993 classic Judgment Night. Why, you ask? Well, you'll just have to listen and find out. We have uh, big-time Hollywood director Dan Trachtenberg as a guest uh, talking about Judgment Night from 1993. Do you think... More studios are going to do like Invisible Man and it looks like Trolls well, World Tour. Is that? Yeah, I was just going to say where I think next week we're going to be doing um, Blood. What's his name? Blood, uh, Vin the, Diesel. Was it Blood? Who? It's an image old image comic. Yeah, I Blood, don't know. Blood Spot. 
what's his name? Anyway, they're going to release them to VOD. So we may be reviewing more movies now that just come into VOD. Uh, we're kind of figuring it out as we go, but it's it's fun regardless. And blood I shot. You, yes, thank you, Doug. shot. I said blood spot. So close. I missed it by that much. Um, but the Judgment Night episode is very fun. We already recorded it. comes out uh, this week. And um, – the dungeon run. What a what a great time. Hey, if you find yourself with a bunch of time and you want to get into something, listen to something, check out something, watch something that is tons of hours of entertainment, really great storytelling, characters you'll fall in love with that'll make you laugh and cry. I promise you, you will not regret checking out The Dungeon Run. I'm so proud of this show and I hope that this time can result in some more folks giving us a shot because I know it's a lot of time commitment to get into our show, but I think once you're there, you are going to be hooked. Um, and what better time than now? The Dungeon Run you can find as an audio podcast. If you want to just listen to it, you can do that by searching for The Dungeon Run and anywhere you get audio podcasts. Or it's available on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run on YouTube. And we're still doing live shows. In fact, we're back to doing a, uh, a new story uh, this Wednesday caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run 6 p.m pacific time it's going to be different we're going to be remote it'll be a little bit d20 roll 20 kind of way and i'm not really sure what's going to happen but uh, we're going to figure out some some way to keep making stories uh, during this time and i hope you guys check it out the dungeon run all right let us wrap up the show now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion Oh, also one more quick thing I forgot to mention about the Dungeon Run is we had a big charity auction that just ended. And Christian, we raised over $11,000 for charity. Woohoo! Oh my awesome. God, congratulations. Yeah, I'm so happy. We auctioned off these incredible uh, custom-made dice boxes and DM screen. And the audience really came through and we raised over $11,000 for charity. It was, it was just so great. Anyway, um, Lana, you are our guest. So what have you got for a parting gift? That's a great question because I feel like I have so many parting gifts that I'd like to Let's do it. Okay. Well, uh, a couple of them are quick. One really is video calls with your family, with your friends, with your loved ones, with whoever, uh, you know, with one of those video cameras with a dog somewhere. I don't know, but it seems silly. If you've never like done a Google Hangout or something with somebody before, you're like, this is odd. Like, why would I do this? But it really does feel like a closer connection. And in this time that things can get pretty lonely, even if you're not feeling it, maybe you know somebody who might be. So definitely video calls are a good way to sort of spend some time. Um, I had a friend, I had a friend uh, do a group FaceTime chat, which dumb me, I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't oh, know yeah. you could have multiple people on a, and it's pretty slick. It like zooms in on the person talking and zooms out the other people. Pretty slick. And I have to say, just to underscore what you're saying. It was such a heartwarming thing to get this group FaceTime call out of nowhere for no reason. Just, Hey, just wanted to see you guys. And we chatted for 20 minutes and it was, it just felt good. And I think that it is important in these days to texting is fine, but seeing people's faces really does make a difference. I think so. I just wanted to agree with you. It's energizing. I did a group call with all my friends who I would usually have been meeting up with at GDC on like the day that should have been our big reunion. And we just did a actually a big Zoom call with all of us and we talked for a couple hours. And it was so it just it felt 
everything felt good in that time. Yeah. 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 Um, my, uh, my next parting gift is another small thing that's about your health. But I, I find that when I work from home, I am a lot less active because like we have a big office and so I'm not walking to get coffee and I'm not walking to go get lunch or something like that. And so my apartment is a lot smaller than the work campus. So setting sort of daily activity goals, like an hourly reminder, like on your stopwatch, um, just to w- take a lap around your living room or your bedroom or whatever it is you need. Um, like tr- definitely try and like keep your body active during this time because it, it it's, we could beat it for the long haul and things will only get difficult and you don't want to have to go to the doctor right now. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Be a geek and sneaks even in your living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the final one, um, I would say is uh, consider making some art. I know that's very biased coming from an artist, um, but it is a great way to pass the time. It is super sort of meditative in its own way, depending on what you're doing. And I specifically would recommend trying out a stop motion. My uh, This sort of comes as a recommendation inspired by my brother, who is also an animator and editor and director up in Canada. And he took the time with his, his, his kids who are five and three and they made a stop motion film together. It's about 30 seconds long and it, it, it takes up a ton of time, but there's so much creativity going into it and learning. So specifically if you've got kids and you're looking for a new thing to do, there is um, a dragon frame. If you're really looking to get serious, that's the, the, the stop motion program that will cost dollars, but there's also uh, I stop motion and Q stop motion, which are free uh, stop motion softwares. But you can also just take a whole bunch of pictures with your phone and comp them all together in Photoshop if you want. Um, but yeah, try 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 something new, make some art. What a great suggestion! I love it. You you when you say make some art, I'm sure people's brains go to the same few places, but. To say stop motion, it's like, oh, yeah, that is something that we all have the tools to do right now and could be really fun and inventive and, and creative. I love it. I love it. That's a great, great one. Thank you. Christian, follow that. I've talked about it before, but I'm going to talk about it again. And it's uh, I talked about I plugged a comic not too long ago. Um, uh, this is a perfect time to sign up for Marvel Unlimited. Or yeah. pick, pick your unlimited of choice. Comicsology has a great one. DC Universe has a bunch of comics as well. I'm specifically going to re-recommend um, Marvel Unlimited right now because House of X, Powers of X are starting to hit in the unlimited as you know free now. And it is stuff that is still happening in the X books. But if you're not reading them currently and you are a fan of X-Men, the House of um, X and Powers of X books are incredible. And the way they reshape what X-Men is. And we kind of talked about for that outer Hickman's re- writing that. Is that what, right? What's up? That Hickman who's re- writing that. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm trying to think if it's both house and power, but I think yes to at least one and maybe both. I have not read any of those. I, Dude. I, that's, are they good? They're phenomenal. And kind of to the groundhog day, outer wilds thing of like, the way this there's one character in, in, in particular and how it kind of sets up the arc uh, story, but about like repeating lives and the way that they address it in this and, and what it means is, is phenomenal. I cannot recommend them enough. Um, and then the other one, the other reason I would recommend Marvel Unlimited right now is with Black Widow being pushed and who knows, maybe it will come to v- VOD um, a movie I was very much looking forward to. 
Um, if you don't want to do Marvel Unlimited, the Wade and Samney Complete Collection just came out in paperback. Um, I think just this past week or so. Um, their run, they did a great run on Daredevil, and then they did this run on Black Widow. But also, it is available on uh, Marvel Unlimited as individual issues. So, you know, maybe do a month of that, go through Black Widow, read House of X, Powers of X, um, The Vision from a few years ago now. There's a lot of great books, but it was Black Widow by Wade and Samney, and then House of X and Powers of X that are making me recommend it right now. Great recommendations, both. Uh, we got a listener sending in a, uh, a suggestion. Uh, this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Colin B. from Lincoln, England, who says, Hi, I've noticed the excellent platformer Raymond Legends is on sale everywhere, so I thought it deserves mention as a parting gift. Lots to like about this game. Fun, inventive levels, bags of charm, a massive amount of content, brilliant music. Also, the levels can really offer a challenge if you want to get all the collectibles in the game, but it never feels unfair. Definitely think this will be in Christian's wheelhouse if he's not played it before. Thank you both for always putting out such great content. Just figured out I've been listening to DLC since the end of 2014, and I think it's pretty much been every Monday since. Ah, thank you, Colin. Thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Uh, I know, Christian, you're a big fan of Rayman Legends. They're incredible. And another yeah. beautiful game that the it's just stunning. Yeah. Yeah, it is super, super cheap right now. Uh, I saw it for like 75% off somewhere. Uh, and I can echo that recommendation as well. It's great. Uh, my parting gift is uh, a book, an actual book, physical book that was sent to me by none other than Jordan Mechner. Uh, Jordan reached out to me uh, and uh, offered to send the new published version of his journals from 1985 to 1993. That's called The Making of Prince of Persia. If you don't know who Jordan Mechner is, mm -hmm. you should. He is a game designer who made the first Prince of Persia game, uh, Karataka. Uh, he is, uh, I think, a genius. And, An incredible uh, retrospective, like three years ago, four years ago at GDC also. Yes, Brilliant artist. He also has a book. He, he's an expat now. He lives in Paris. He also has a book of his drawings and, and journals from Paris that you can get, I think, either now or soon. Um, but this Making of Prince of Persia book that is just coming out, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, what great time to, to sit down and read something. It is a treasure trove of both video game history and current game design philosophy. I mean, it is a, a very young person figuring out how to make a video game, talking through it with a worry of the creative process, uh, thinking through things, figuring out why it works. I mean, Prince of Persia is a game, you know, I'm old enough to have played it in its original form at the time and just was blown away. Like a game can look like this and can animate and look like a real person. Um, and it was a platformer that did things in a very interesting way. This book is amazing. Amazing. So I highly recommend the making of Prince of Persia journals, 1985 to 93 by Jordan Mechner. And I'm grateful to him for, uh, giving me an early release copy because I've been really enjoying it. And I really enjoyed this episode of the show, which now sadly comes to a close, but my goodness, uh, Lana Bashinsky, Christian Spicer. Thank you both for being here with me. Thank you to all the folks watching and listening in our uh, Twitch live stream. We appreciate you being with us. 
Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Zero Star, and Sean Madigan for making the awesome bumpers that you hear every week. And thank you to all of you who I hope are staying safe and being smart, practicing social distancing, staying indoors. Even if it isn't for your own health, think of others. We all have to do our part to flatten the curve and get through this. Uh, We all want to get back to normalcy at some point. So please, going out and visiting friends and seeing people in person and going to your favorite spots is just extending this for everybody. So please do your part and stay home. We'll be with you every week. I'm so pleased to say that we will be here in your ear holes as much as we possibly can. And I'm grateful that you choose to download us and listen. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.